So if you have, I guess, the little booklets, you can turn to Matthew 6, 1 through 18. So be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Good afternoon. My name is Glenn Burns. I am the assistant minister here at Grace Church Broccoli. Um, it's lovely to see um, so many of you here. Please keep your little booklets open on Matthew chapter 6. It's on page 12 as we will look at this together and think about some of the things that Jesus has taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. But before we do so, let me just pray for us as we seek God's will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we can find in Jesus. Lord, help us to know what Jesus says and what he means by his words now. Lord, and help us to grow. Help us to know who you are as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yesterday we asked um, some folks at the Hillyfields Fair this question, which will be up on the screen here. How would you describe yourself in three words? Or how do you identify yourself in three words? Now, for me, there are some things I can easily um, identify about myself. I am white. I am bald. I wear glasses. I am a blank canvas. And there are some things I see now and again about myself that I am not happy with, that I wish I could change. For example, when I smile, I'm conscious of my black tooth um, from when somebody headbutted me as a teenager. And I don't like how my wonky, broken nose make my glasses sit funny on my face. Now, those things can be changed. I know that. But what about our inner selves? 
what do we see? Do we see ourselves as successful? Maybe we're creative. Do we think we're problem solvers or handy people? Now we can identify ourselves in many ways from our appearance to our ethnicity, our gender, our marital status, our careers, our talents, our values, and even our religious beliefs. We all have opinions on this. And even our opinions make up our identity. Now here at Grace Church Broccoli, we identify ourselves as Christians or followers of Jesus. And that simply means that we believe in the truths that Jesus told us. Now some of these truths taught by Jesus is found in what's possibly his most famous speech called the Sermon on the Mount. And over the past few weeks, we have been thinking about some of the teachings that Jesus taught his listeners in Matthew's Gospel. And here in chapter 6, Jesus challenges some of the practices that some people were doing to be identified as good, upright people. But Jesus is warning us here that this attitude is like wearing a mask and living a double life. I don't know if you've ever met someone like this. In the workplace, they act like one person, and then at home, they're another And then they are another again in front of their friends. But it's behind closed doors that they become their true self. Now the fact of the matter is, the truth is, is that we are all capable of doing this. And we all wish that we could be a better person of ourselves. Someone that everyone will be impressed with. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus warns us, And instructs us to take the mask of hypocrisy off and be our true selves before God. And in doing so we can discover who God truly is. And the first thing that I want us to think about today is this. God doesn't care what you do in public. For he sees you for who you truly are. And Jesus speaks out against three specific actions that we might consider as good and upright deeds. Look at verse 2 with me. In verse 2, Jesus speaks out about giving to the needy. Down in verse 5, Jesus speaks about prayer. And over in verse 16, he speaks out about fasting. Now, why these three things specifically? Now, you might be surprised to hear this. But you don't have to be religious to do these things. Yes, we can give to the poor when we want to help those who are going through a time of crisis. And at times we fast for our own well-being when we want to lose a bit of weight. Maybe after one or two extra Kit Kats. But there are some folks out there who also believe that praying is good for their own mental well-being as well. In fact... I stumbled across a YouTube doctor, the most reliable of all doctors. Um, I actually don't think he's an actual doctor, just for clarity. Um, But Dr. Alan Mandel, he encourages prayer as he believes that there are physiological effects that are supposedly beneficial for our bodies. But the question I have is that does giving, praying and fasting help us when it comes to knowing who we truly are? 
Now, the more we do something, the more we begin to identify ourselves through that action as our hobbies and passions begin to shape our identities. Whether it's gardening, or seeing yourself as a, you see, or playing an instrument, you might see yourself as a gardener or a musician. If you play a sport, you might consider yourself an athlete. We, will, we want to be identified by others in the same way that we identify ourselves. And this is the issue that Jesus speaks into as he speaks out against those who practice these acts. Now, it's nothing to do with the act of giving or praying or fasting itself, but it's how and why it's done that matters. Those who give to the needy, they make a song and dance of it. We see that here in verse 2. Those who pray, we see that in verse 5, that they make Ah, they love to be seen doing that. And those who fast in verse 16, they disfigure their faces to show off their somber appearance. But who are we seeking to please when we do these things? Is it God? Is it others? Or is it ourselves? Now what's the big deal you might be asking? Well, Jesus calls these folk out as hypocrites. Because their public actions don't match up to their private lives. And more importantly, it doesn't line up with their true desires. Their desire is to be seen and known as good, upright people. But look at what Jesus says in verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. They have received the reward in full. And this reward that Jesus speaks of here is the love and admiration of others. It's to be accepted. It's to be acknowledged for who they are. But when it comes to God, he doesn't reward you based on what you do in front of others. He rewards you with, look at verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. He rewards you with what's done in private. No matter what you do to define your identity, God sees your inward self and he knows who you truly are. We cannot change our outward appearance to change our inward self and our feelings cannot define who we are either. Our outward appearance constantly changes either by design through haircuts or surgery or by time with age. And our feelings constantly change from one day to the next. And you might think that once you've discovered who you are, then you can find rest. And you will do everything you can to make yourself the person you want to be. And so you change everything about yourself until you discover the peace that you've been striving for. But is that the answer? What if there's a better way? A way in which we don't have to change everything that we are, but instead all we need to do is recognize that true freedom is not found in what we can define ourselves as, but in understanding who we are made in the image of and why we were created. We were created to know the one who made us in his image. True freedom is embracing and being who we truly are. 
And the Bible tells us that we were all created in the image of God. And so all of us have value and dignity because of this. Scientist John Wyatt puts it this way. We are not machines through which our bodies can be altered or upgraded to perform better. We are masterpieces. But we are also flawed masterpieces. We are flawed because we recognize that something is wrong inside ourselves and we are unsatisfied until the problem is dealt with. And so how do we fix this problem? That problem that causes us to think and behave in ways that we are not satisfied with ourselves and satisfied with the way in which people see us. Well, we need to go back to the one who made us and acknowledge who we really are. And so the second thing I want you to take away today is this. God wants you to come to him as you are so that you can discover your true self. And if we know that our actions in verses 3 to 4 and in verse 18 are seen by God, that makes us realize that nothing about us is hidden from him. Below God is unseen, we are still encouraged to come to him by Jesus in verse 6. Jesus encourages us to pray. And when we pray, we're to go into our room, close the door, and pray to the Father who is unseen. But the problem is that when we come to God as we are, we find ourselves separated from God. Because of the very thing that drives us to live out our desires and seek to be satisfied within ourselves. And that thing is called sin. Now some of you might be asking, what is sin? I've never heard of this word before. Well, sin is our inward nature that causes us to reject God by saying, shove off God, I'm in charge, not you. Sin persuades us that we don't need God to find out who we are and it deceives us to think that we can discover who we truly are inside ourselves and become who we always wanted to be. And why is this important? Well, it matters that we first acknowledge the problem. Sin leaves us with the issue that we are never satisfied with who we are or with what we have because we want more, we want to be more, and we want to find meaning in life that will leave us feeling at peace. And the world around us today will tell us that to find meaning and satisfaction, we must search inside ourselves and find that meaning within But if we're completely honest with ourselves, all we find falls short of true life. The hypocrisy that Jesus calls out is a thinly veiled anxiety that demands that we are to be recognized and valued by everyone around us. We want to please others because how they see us will please ourselves. But the more we do this, the more we miss out on life. We feed our sin and we push ourselves away from God who made us in his image. You see, it's sin that keeps us apart from God. But when we acknowledge our sin and we look to God, we find out who we really are. We're broken people in need of fixing. 
Now, yesterday at the Hilly Fields Fair, we asked the second question. If there was one thing that you could change about yourself, what would it be? And there were some really interesting answers that we got from this. Some people wanted to lose weight. Some people wanted to become more patient. Some people wanted to worry less. And some even wanted to travel more. But if there was one thing that God could change about you, what do you think it would be? Your attitude to money? Your behaviour around women? What about the crude jokes you make? The way you talk about others behind their back? The games you play to get ahead and gain power in the workplace? Or your friendship circles? Or in the clubs and organisations that you belong to? Well, if there's one thing that God can change about you, it's this. It's your simple heart that stops you from knowing Him. But the Bible tells us that God has done something to change that. He sent his son Jesus into this world to pay the price for your sins by dying on the cross. And you're probably wondering, why does that matter? What good will that be? Well, one day we will stand face to face with God, our maker. And we will watch our entire lives play back before us. How will you feel when you look back on your life and see what God has seen both in public and in private? I know how I would feel. I'd be completely ashamed of who I am. I'd be ashamed of the things that I've done. And whether you like it or not, your life is recorded. And even if you think that all the good things you've done will outweigh the bad, Well, unfortunately, what you will realize is that it is not enough. We need a rescuer. We need someone to take our sin and exchange, give us something better. And when Jesus died on the cross, something miraculous happened. On that cross, Jesus took all of our sin and in exchange, he gives us his righteousness, his right standing before God. So if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, God doesn't see you in the way that you might see yourself. Instead, he sees his son Jesus. And that means you can know God as your father in heaven. Your identity now is that you are a child of God. You don't have to live by trying to win others over for their reward But God, your heavenly Father, will see who you are and what you do because of your identity. And his reward that we can see in verse 4, in verse 6, and verse 18 is far greater than the approval of people around you. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now think about it. If the reward from others is the love and admiration, think about the reward that God, your maker and your heavenly father can give you as the love and admiration he has for you. His love is eternal. His love is satisfying. And what does that look like? 
Well, we see what that looks like as Jesus gives us an example of how to pray in verses 9 to 13. As we see that finally God wants you to know him as your heavenly father. And in knowing God, everything changes. We find our identity in knowing God's identity. Which is more than just a heavenly father, can I just add. Jesus tells us to come to him for all that we need. Look at verses 78 with me. We see here in verses 78 that Jesus teaches us that we're not to behave like those who babble on when talking to God as if they'll be heard through their many words. You know, God doesn't want us to pray to him with extravagant language as if we come from the 1500s and speak in ye old English. God hears the prayers of a sincere person whose words are few. But when they mean everything they say to their Heavenly Father, God hears that prayer and he loves when they come to him. Now some of you are thinking to yourselves, why would I bother praying? When life is good, it might be true that you don't bother praying. But when a crisis happens, what do you do? What do you offer to those who are hurting or in distress? I remember standing in a shopping centre once, and my friend gets a phone call from his ex-girlfriend. Now his ex-girlfriend wasn't a Christian, but she identified as a Buddhist and an atheist. But her brother had fallen seriously ill in France. And in desperation, she asked if I could pray for her brother. Now, why is that? Well, when our needs become greater than we can handle, we get desperate and we look for a solution beyond our means. But look at verse 8. Verse 8, we are told that your father knows what you need before you ask him. You see, prayer is not like rubbing a lamp and asking a genie for three wishes. Prayer also isn't the means by which we communicate to each other or seek to gain attention or plaudits from it. Prayer is how we talk to the God above who knows us and wants us to know him. And Jesus in his, in his prayer that he models to us, we actually see the identity of God revealed to us as well. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 begins by saying, Our Father. God is our Father. Even though God is our Maker, He wants us to know Him in one of the intimate ways possible. And I know this can be hard for some of you who have never had a Father figure in your life. Or you might have had a negative experience of fatherhood through your dad walking out on you or your dad letting you down or your dad being absent in your life. I get that. I'm sorry that that's happened to you. But in God, we have a heavenly father who is always there for us. A father who will always seek to do what's best for you. But also, his name is Hallowed. Hallowed be your name. The Bible tells us that God's name is Yahweh, which means I am what I am. This means that God is unchanging. He remains the same. But his name is unlike any other name. Through his name, 
we see that God's character is unique, unlike no other. But also God is a king. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come. Now God has a kingdom that you too can be part of. And over the past few weeks we've been learning about what it means to be part of this kingdom. And for all those who know God, he belongs to this kingdom. It's not a kingdom that you can sign up to as a citizen and get a passport. Instead, you are a heavenly citizen who acknowledges God's authority and sovereign rule as king in your life. And that is why Jesus teaches us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we become part of the kingdom of heaven, which God rules as king, he rules as king here in our hearts, here in our lives. But he is more than just a king. Look at verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. He's a provider as well. He gives us our daily necessities. And we know that he can do this because he's provided our greatest need in which we can acknowledge by knowing, verse 12, that he is a forgiver of all of our sins that we confess to him. And it's not that God wants us to sin, but we, when we realize that who we are is completely unlike God, when we realize that we are sinful people in need of a savior, and even though many of us who are here have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, we will still do things that we regret doing day in and day out. God doesn't want us to sin. But when we realize that we are unlike God, God helps us day by day to know him. And in doing so, he helps us to turn away from sin. And because of this, look at verse 13. God is our protector. He protects us from more than just sin. But he also protects us from the vices and traps that the evil one, the devil, would try to tempt us away from God with. He would want to tempt us away from the goodness of God. You see, in knowing God, we have more than just total dependency. We also have life. This life is the reward that Jesus promises in verse 4, verse 16, or verse 6, and verse 18. And when we receive this life, we understand our identity. It's not about who we are in our personality. It's not about who we are in our careers, our ethnicity, our sexuality, or even our class. It's about who we are in Jesus. So we can come to God. We can know him as our heavenly father and all of that means. Because if you believe you are in Christ and God, your heavenly father, sees you, sees him in you. And when you look to Jesus, you can discover who you truly can be in him. You can be loved. You can be known. You can be forgiven, protected, provided for, and known by the one who does all of these things. And you can call him your heavenly father. Please take away these copies of gospel or uh, Matthew's gospel. We want you to read them, keep reading them, keep finding out more about what Jesus says. Keep finding out more about the God who Jesus not only tells us about, but reveals himself to be as well.
If you want to know more and you're still unsure, why not sign up for Hope Explored, which is happening next week? Chat to the person who invited you. Hopefully ask them questions about who is this God that you worship? Who is this Jesus and why is this Jesus so important in your life? Or if you're unsure, come and speak to me. Come and speak to Tobias and we can point you to the ministry team here at Grace Church Broccoli. And one of us would love to chat to you more about knowing who this Jesus is. We also have some free resources just here or also out at the back. If you want to think more about your identity and why your identity is important, these resources will hopefully be helpful for you in thinking about these things a bit more. But if you're not a Christian here this afternoon, well, can I just encourage you by saying that there is no better moment than to get to know Jesus as Savior and as Lord now. There is no better moment than to give your life to Jesus than now. And if you feel like God is speaking to you right now through his word, then I can encourage you to respond to him in prayer. I'm going to pray now. I'm going to say a simple prayer. And then I'm going to hand over to the band as we reflect upon these truths a little bit more. But let me just pray. And if you um, feel like you want to commit yourself to God right now, if you want to um, repent of your sins, if you want to say sorry for your sins and know God as your heavenly father, well, just repeat these words after me either quietly or inwardly in your heart. But let me just pray right now. Lord God, we thank you for what you have taught us today. When we see who we truly are before you, Lord, we are sorry for our sinful nature. We are sorry that our sins has pushed you away from us. And we think that we can live life our own way. Lord, we're sorry because we realize that in sin, there is no hope in life or in death. But Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for who Jesus is. We thank you for what Jesus has done by dying on the cross for all of our sins. And in exchange, he has given us his eternal life. Lord God, we thank you for what Jesus has done for us. Lord, forgive us for all that we've done. And Lord, help us to believe in you. Lord, help us to believe in in what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, help us to live new lives, knowing you as our Heavenly Father. Amen.